Good morning. So good to see you guys today, every Sunday. Introduction and review. We're going to go back to Ephesians 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we have been working off of this verse for a couple of weeks. We've been looking at those spiritual blessings in Christ. They're distinct. They're different from earthly blessings in Christ. You have food, you have shelter, you have clothing, you have other earthly things. They're blessings from God in Christ. Today, or recently in Ephesians, we've been speaking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. Some of them kind of lofty, kind of hard to grasp, impossible to grasp with our natural minds. We have to receive them with our spirits from God, from the Holy Spirit, to understand. For instance, in verse 4, we talked about how we've been loved and chosen by God before the world was ever formed. In verse 5, we talked about we're adopted as sons and daughters, children of the Most High God, the God who created the universe. Just let your mind think about that sometime and meditate on both of these spiritual blessings. Loved and chosen by God before he ever even created the world, before he ever even formed you in the womb, then adopted as sons and daughters, children of God, into the family of God. When we came to Christ, those two words, extremely important, in Christ, because none of this is true outside of Christ or apart from Christ. And that's a problem. That's something we'll address near the end today. That's a problem. Being outside of Christ is a real problem. I've been there. I was outside of Christ for many years. I got saved as an adult. And I was just talking to my daughter about some of the things that I did, unfortunately, and experienced before I came to Christ. And I ended by saying, I'm so thankful I'm on this side of that life. And I would never go back for all the money in the world. You couldn't give me anything to take me back to my life before Christ. Paul says here that the purpose of all this, the purpose for us to even know this stuff, is so that we will praise God. It's to bring praise and glory to God. It's intended to bring praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Moving on into today's text, the next spiritual blessing that's mentioned in Christ in this passage and we'll bring up our reader. Stacy, you're coming. The rest of us will stand. Please stand. This is not filler. We stand to honor the word of God as Stacy reads. Wait till we're all situated, Stacy, and then just begin reading. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. We've been set free because of what Christ has done. Because he bled and died, our sins have been forgiven. 
We have been set free because God's grace is so rich. He poured his grace on us. By giving us great wisdom and understanding, he showed us the mystery of his plan. It was in keeping with this what he wanted to do. It was what he had planned through Christ. It will all come about when history has been completed. God will then bring together all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. This is not in the sermon. This is just a thought that came while Stacy was reading. Mentioned the word mystery. And so many people want to know the mystery of life. The meaning of life. People, whether they even know it or not, are searching for the mystery of life. The meaning of life. What is this all about? Searching in all the wrong places. Because it's right there in front of our noses. It's right here in the Word of God. That's where you uncover. That's where you discover the mysteries of life. That's where you uncover and discover the meaning of life is in the Word of God. God reveals the mystery of all this stuff. All the things that we try and think about, try and understand. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Why this and why that? Those mysteries are answered in the Word of God. Today's title, Redemption and Forgiveness. We actually read four verses, inclusive, today, because they compose one section. But in honesty, we're only going to deal with one. We're only going to deal with verse 7. The thoughts that come that Stacy read for us in 8 through 10, they come up again in the book. And we'll deal with them later in our study of Ephesians. Today, just verse 7. The title is Redemption and Forgiveness. There's two theological words for you. Redemption and forgiveness. We might mention justification later on. We won't be talking about sanctification. We'll stay away from that one today. We could say redeemed and forgiven. Maybe that makes it a little more understandable. Redeemed and forgiven. In Christ we have redemption and forgiveness. In Christ we are redeemed and forgiven. But if you got the Saturday text, what does that mean? Is it even important? Well, listen to the message, and then you decide if it's important. Ephesians 1.7, in him, Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. First comment. All spiritual blessings come to us in Christ and by God's grace. No other way. This week, the spiritual blessing of redemption and forgiveness. And as has been our pattern, we're going to try and explain this. We're going to try and explain it as simply as we can. And we're going to try and make it relatable to our lives. Redemption, redeemed. What does it mean? It means to be ransomed. It means to be restored. 
It means to be brought back, bought back by the payment of a price. It means to be rescued. It means to be delivered from peril and or destruction. Let's plug that definition into our verse. In him, in Christ, we have been ransomed. We have been restored. We have been bought back by the payment of a price. We have been rescued. We have been delivered from peril and destruction through his blood. So to me, the natural, obvious question, if you have an inquiring mind, would be or should be, from what have we been, from what have we been redeemed? From what have we been ransomed? From what have we been restored? From what have we been bought back? From what have we been rescued? From what have we been delivered? When you say that's a natural question to ask, is anybody out there? Once you say that's a natural question to ask, what, what from? From what? Better English. Good thought. But it's more than that. You listen. It's the consequence of sins. It's the consequence of sins. We're, we're ransomed and all those other things from the power and the penalty. The penalty. Especially today, focusing on the penalty. Redemption and forgiveness of sins rescues us from the penalty of sin. Is that so important? Check it out. The wages of sin is what? It's on the screen. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages. Everybody knows what wages are. Everybody might know what wages are. Maybe the young children don't yet. Wages is your just due. It's that which is deserved. It's what you deserve when you put in a hard day. Hard days are a hard week's work. You deserve to be paid a wage. You deserve to be paid fairly for your work. You collect your check. Friday's always collect your check. Wages is a consequence of, in a good way, it's the result of hard work and it's justly due. You deserve that wage. Now, in a negative connotation, sin also comes with just due. Sin also comes with deserved consequences. Sin also comes with a result. And the just due, the deserved consequences, the result of sin is death. I want to give us a word on death, a little bit of teaching on death. You may know this, you may not. Maybe it's a refresher, maybe it's new. Just as sin entered the world through one man, death, sorry, one man, Adam, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, death entered the world through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Physical death. Most of us have experienced physical death in our lives. Death of loved ones, death of friends, death of others. Physical death is a consequence of the sin in the garden, the fall of man. People die. Are you listening? Anybody listening? Yes. Yes. We're all here, Pastor. Thanks, Steve. 
needed that. People die because of sin in the human race. That's why you die. If you sin, you shall surely die, God told Adam and Eve. And I'd love to talk to you sometime, but not today, about how the act of death, how God allowing humans to die is an act of love on his part. We'll talk about that another time. It's not a punishment. It's an act of love. But people die because of sin in the human race. Before sin, no death. Never God's intention that humans die. Adam and Eve were created to live forever, not to die. Their sons and daughters would have lived forever and not died had they not sinned. Sin brought the consequence, the wage, the result being death. Now listen and learn. Physical death, it's the separation of your soul from your physical body. But it is not ceasing to exist. You live on. Your body dies and is buried or cremated or whatever. Your soul lives on somewhere. Your soul is eternal. Your physical body is temporary. It's temporal. But that's not the death we're talking about in Ephesians today. That's physical death. The death in context here is spiritual death. Physical death, soul separates from the human body. Spiritual death, soul separates from the life of God forever, but does not die, continues to exist, but separated from God, separated from all that is good. That's why hell is darkness. There's no light. There's nothing good there. And Scripture refers to spiritual death as the second death. There are two deaths. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. Think about that. I saw the dead standing before the throne. The dead were judged according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. There's two deaths. The lake of fire is the second death. And it also says in another verse in chapter 20, all those whose name, now are you listening to this? All those whose names were not written in the Lamb's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is the second death. Man, you wish that wasn't true. But it is, and we need to know it. God's intention was never, ever that human beings would land in the lake of fire. The lake of fire was created for the devil and his demons because they rebelled against God. Then, unfortunately, Adam and Eve and his race also rebelled against God. So now their destiny is the same as the devil and the demons, the lake of fire. The consequence of sin, the wages of sin. Those who died and were not in Christ are cast into the lake of fire. They're sentenced for eternity to be separated from God and all that is good. 
Not only is the lake of fire conscience torment, but the worst part of the lake of fire is that we are separated then from God with no hope of any return. No more being bought back, no more being ransomed, no more being redeemed, no more forgiveness once you've been sentenced to the lake of fire. Wish it wasn't true. Are you still with me? See, this is what we've been ransomed from. This is what we've been redeemed from. This is what we've been bought back from. This is what we've been rescued from. This is what we've been delivered from. The second death, eternity in the lake of fire. Those of us who are in Christ have been redeemed from that. In Christ, we have redemption. That's a big theological word, but what it means is you're not going to the lake of fire. Through his blood, we have the forgiveness of our sins. We don't have to suffer the just due wages of our sins because in Christ, we have forgiveness of our sins. We will not experience the dreaded second death. We die once. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. And just notice, I couldn't help but noticing, it's kind of depressing actually, This passage is all about the dead. There's seven mentions of dead and death in there. There's not one mention of life. The reason is, believers are not in this scene. There's no life in this scene. God is sentencing the dead who died apart from Christ. We're not there. Those who are in Christ are not in this scene. They're not at the great white throne judgment even though we totally deserve to be. Don't miss that part. We totally deserve to be there. He who is is without sin, raise your hand. Well, the wages of sin is death. We should be there. But because we've been redeemed and have the forgiveness of our sins, we don't have to be in this scene. This is judgment for those who die physical death apart from and outside of Christ. Believers have been redeemed and rescued from this through the blood of Christ. Rescued from the power and the penalty of sin, which lands folks in the lake of fire. The second death is not our destiny because we have been redeemed and forgiven. I'm hoping to hear some amens on that. Some amens, some hallelujahs, some shouts. This is good news. Bad news if you don't know Christ. But there's even good news for you because you can come to Christ before we leave here today. And you can be ransomed and redeemed and forgiven before we leave here today. How about some further scriptures on this matter? All believers are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that comes by Christ Jesus. Justified, don't get all turned around by that theological word, justified simply means this. Because we came to Christ, even though we were guilty, God can now declare us not guilty and free from the wages of sin, the consequence, the result of sin, the penalty of sin, free from the lake of fire. Not that we don't deserve it, but because we came to Christ, God said, all right, you're free. You're not guilty in Christ. Judged, not guilty. 
Are we guilty? Yes. But in Christ, judged, not guilty. It's a decision that God made, not something that we did. All we did was come to Christ in desperation and ask for forgiveness and salvation. Then God made the declaration for all the universe, all the demons, the devil to hear. He is no longer guilty. He is in Christ. You no longer have any power, any control over him. Any power or control that the devil has over us in Christ, we give to him. I'll take your question afterwards. You always have good questions, but I'll take it afterwards. That's redemption. That's redemption. And you're redeemed. If you're in Christ, you're redeemed. I'm redeemed. Christ Jesus has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Jesus redeemed us from the justly deserved penalty of sin. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, sin, Satan, and the lake of fire. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We said redemption carries the thought of ransom, a price paid for the redemption. It's not free. Redemption is not free. There's a huge price that's been paid for our redemption. Jesus was the ransom. Let's take a look at that. First off, if there's a kidnapping, a ransom is demanded to gain the victim back. Because of man's sin, a ransom had to be paid to gain man back to fellowship with God. Once man sinned in the garden, now he was estranged from God. He was kidnapped by Satan. Willingly, willingly went. We willingly went with him. We willingly still serve him, unfortunately, at times. So there had to be a ransom paid because we had been kidnapped by the enemy, by sin, There had to be a ransom paid to buy us back to fellowship with God. It couldn't just happen. There had to be a ransom. There had to be a price price paid. Legally, there had to be a price paid. Unfortunately, Satan gained control of the human race legally. Do you understand that? He gained it legally because God told Adam and Eve, this is all yours. The earth, the universe, you and me, Adam and Eve and God, we're going to work together. We're going to develop this creation But there's something you can't do. You can't act in disobedience and eat the fruit from this one tree. See, we had to have free will or it was a farce. So he said, don't eat from that tree. He didn't say this, but you you read this later. If you eat from that tree, you turn all this over to your enemy. And they ate from the tree and Satan gained control. Okay, are you still with me? We're still all here? Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. Jesus himself was the ransom for our sin. He was the price. His life sacrifice was the price paid. He was the solution to our sin problem. Remember, the wages of our sin is death. It's eternity in the lake of fire. 
Death is what we deserved for our sin. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. Okay, listening still? Everybody? Somebody had to die to to satisfy the penalty of your sin and my sin. And it should have been you. Justly speaking, it should have been you that died for your sin. And it should have been me that died for my sin. We should have had to die for our sin. We're talking second death, lake of fire type stuff. Separation from God. But instead, Jesus, and here's, gets a little sticky, but just try and stay with me. Jesus, who was sinless and who didn't have to die for his sin because he had no sin. He was tempted in all ways such as we, but without sin. The curse of sin was not on Jesus. Satan had nothing on Jesus. Said, Jesus told his disciples, Satan came to me and he had nothing on me. See, we can't say that. Satan comes to me and he finds stuff. But Jesus, who was sinless, he didn't have to die as a consequence of sin because he never sinned. So he voluntarily died on our behalf so we could be redeemed, so we could be declared not guilty, so we could be forgiven of our sin and bought back from the consequence of sin. Jesus was the ransom demanded by sin. Jesus' death satisfied the penalty for sin for all those who will come to him and receive that redemption and forgiveness. It's not automatic. Therefore, because of Jesus' willingness to die on our behalf, we now have redemption in Christ. We have forgiveness of sin. We do not end up in the lake of fire. There is one God, one mediator between God and mankind. My brother always used to tell me, Hub, heaven's at the top of a mountain, and there's all kinds of different roads up the mountain, and it doesn't matter which road you take as long as you're sincere. He was sincerely wrong. There's only one road up to the top of the mountain. There's only one ransom. There's only one person in whom is redemption and forgiveness of sin, eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ. You better take that road up the mountain. There is one God. There is one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Don't be misled by all people. Oh, then we're all okay. Jesus died for all people, meaning... It's available to all. Not that it's automatically applied to all. He died for all people, meaning everyone has access to this. But not everyone takes advantage of the access. God is no respecter of persons. He's not willing that any should perish. But only those who will come to Jesus in faith will benefit from his death. For this reason... Hebrews 9.15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who, who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, life, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free. We wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. 
eager to do what is good. One evidence of your salvation is that you're eager to do what is good and you want to get as far away from evil as you can. If you're still running after evil, there's concern if you truly came to know Christ. When you come to know Christ, your life begins to change, whether you like it or not almost. God took some things out of my life that I really wasn't looking for him to take out of, although they were very harmful for me, and I'm glad that he did. When you truly come to Christ, you begin to change. You can't just come to Christ and continue to live the way you always used to live. Coming to Christ is not trying to turn over a, a new lease on life. It's your whole spiritual, your whole world is rocked when you come to Christ. I am afraid we have many people running around thinking that they've come to Christ, but perhaps they have not. I'll just give you a very, a real story. I can't prove this, though, although I was in the room when the story was told. There was a fellow named Paris Reedhead. He was a Billy Graham-type evangelist, traveled all over the United States, doing evangelistic campaigns, getting into churches, doing deeper life meetings. And we had him at our church, the one I, I used to go to. And I wasn't really saved all that long, but I, I think I was an elder because I was in the pastor's study and before Paris went out to speak, we were talking with him. And our pastor asked Paris, he said, you've been all over this United States. You've been in churches of every flavor and every denomination. In your estimation, what is the percentage of people who truly have been converted and truly know the Lord? Do you even want to know his reply? Well, I'm going to tell you. 10%. And if you look at some of the statistics on polls of how many people believe there's absolute truth, how many people believe there's a heaven, how many people believe there's a hell among church people, I don't know if that's true. But I have my suspicion, knowing what actually happens in a person's life when they truly come to know Christ, and seeing the lives of many people who profess to know Christ, it does make you wonder. Without judging, it just makes you wonder. We can't judge anybody's salvation, but it does make you wonder. And then you look at the a number of churches and number of believers, professing believers, church people in America, and you look at our nation and what's happening in our nation, you're like, really? Can there actually be that many churches and that many true professing Christians? And yet America is going the way it's going? Something does not compute there. Food for thought. When you come to know Christ, your life changes. Begins to change. Begins to change. He's gathering a people to himself, those who truly know him, who are eager to do what is good, eager to serve him, hungry for his word, um, intensely Passionate about people coming, people also coming to know him. Because now you know what you're delivered from. And how can you sit there and not tell somebody else who doesn't know that they need to be delivered from that? I think that was one of the greatest evidences in the early days for Deb and I. Of course, we were very young, immature, and obnoxious. She more than I, but... <laughs> not true, not true, not true. Forgiveness, Whew. 
So important. The wages of making jokes about your wife we don't even want to talk about. But what I want to say seriously is one of the changes that happened to Deb and I without us even trying was we had to tell people. We had to tell everybody we met about Jesus and what just happened to us. The way we went about it is suspect, but we had to just tell everybody we met. First Peter 1, 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, human race. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or spot, blemish or defect. Just so we're clear. The price paid for our redemption is Christ's death. Our redemption came at a huge cost to Christ and to God himself. He didn't have to do it. 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies or cleanses us from all sin, including the penalty the power and the penalty of sin. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross for our redemption and forgiveness purifies us, cleanses us from the deserved penalty of sin. Let's return to our text and move to a close. In him, Christ, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, that's his death on the cross, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Redemption through his blood, that's his death on the cross, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness simply means to be released from a penalty. Listen as we close. If, you wrong, if somebody wrongs you, they sin against you, and you choose to forgive them, what that means isn't that you all of a sudden feel just emotionally great about this. You're choosing to forgive them, said, you're not going to exact punishment due from them. You're not going to exact what they actually deserve because you've forgiven them. You're leaving them off the hook, so to speak. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't usually affect them. It's good for you, or it will destroy you. But what you're doing, you're saying, well, it's the glory of, the glory of a man to overlook an offense. You're saying, I'm going to overlook that. I'm going to forgive they're off the hook. They don't owe me anything. They're released from the penalty of their actions. Today's main point. Give me two more minutes. Today's main point. Take your time, Pastor. Jamal's not here. I'll have to say it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jamal, wherever you are. Today's main point, very simple. We're trying to make this simple and relatable with these big theological words, redemption and, and forgiveness of sin and justification, legal contracts in the spiritual realm. We have redemption in Christ. We have the forgiveness of our sins. We no longer owe the debt that we deserve to owe because of our sin. We are forgiven in Christ. We are off the eternal damnation hook. 
No lake of fire for those in Christ. That's the main point that I want you to know. We're off the eternal damnation hook. No lake of fire for those who are in Christ. You can live with confidence. Application, though. We've got to somehow make this applicable now. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. Circle that. A-L-L. All. No exception. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's no human being that doesn't deserve hell. There's no human being born other than Jesus that doesn't deserve the lake of fire. Now, I want you guys to listen as I close. This is very, very important. For some reason, for whatever reason, don't stray, don't don't lose it here. For whatever reason, some folks don't think they need to be redeemed. Some folks think they don't need to be forgiven. For whatever reason, they've come up with that. Some folks think they don't need to come to Christ and been redeemed and forgiven. That's tragic because Scripture is clear. Whether they want to or not, whether they even know it or not, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and every human being born is on a trajectory to the lake of fire. You're not born on the right path, and you have to switch over to the wrong path. You're born on the wrong path, you've got to switch over to the right path. And the bridge, the causeway to switch over is Jesus Christ coming to him. Some, re- some people out there don't know that. And they're marching. We used to sing a song, marching, marching. They're marching to the lake of fire and don't even realize it. You rub shoulders with them. I rub shoulders with them every day. They have no clue. Now, most of them will say they don't really care, but God can break through that. You probably didn't care all that much before you came to Christ until he really started working on you. But they don't understand They don't know that they need to be redeemed and forgiven. And I don't care what age we are, not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow. I have a grandson that died at 15 hours old, and I have a daughter-in-law that died at 36. Nobody is guaranteed tomorrow. I want to leave you with a stern but loving warning. All have sinned, including you and including everyone you know. And if you haven't yet, then you better come to Jesus and get this issue resolved. Be redeemed, be forgiven, make heaven your eternal dwelling place, not the lake of fire. It's open to you. Jesus is no respecter of persons. His arms are open. It's up to you to come. And here's the second part of that. As you have opportunity, you need to tell others this. You need to tell others about this. Art, will you come and pray? Congregation will stand. Sonny, if you want to bring the band forward, you know the drill. Week after week. Art, wait till you have everybody's attention. And then begin to pray. Can everyone just bow their heads with me?
as we go to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, wow, what a word you sent us today. Lord, I know it touched our hearts and our spirits, Father. Just of your love for each one of us and for the world, Father. You sent your only son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was raised up on the cross and took the nails in his hands and crown on his head and nails in his feet and was mocked and made fun of and pierced in his side for us, Lord. When we think about that, Lord, it should have been us. But it was only by your mercy and by your grace and by your love that you looked beyond each one of our faults and saw what we needed. So, Heavenly Father, I am so grateful to you for your son, Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, who have redeemed us from hell's grip to give us a second chance, for you are the God of the first chance, second chance, to the seventh chance, and on and on, Lord. And we're so grateful to you for that. Thank you for saving us from a horrible death that we can spend eternity with you, Father. And that is so valuable and so precious. And Lord, just imprint that on our minds and on our hearts, Lord, as we go through this week, Father, to remember that there are those out there who don't know you, Lord. We were in that same place and someone was there praying for us and shared with us the salvation, the, the life that you, we now have in you, Lord. Thank you for this word, Lord. We needed to hear this today because there are so many others out there who are wandering in places looking for love in all the wrong places. God, give us the boldness by your Holy Spirit to be the lights that you have called us to be in this world, Father. That we would step out of our comfort zones and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us and to share with others just like someone shared with us at one time to allow us to see where we needed to be. So, Heavenly Father, just use us as we go through this week, Father. When we go out this door, Lord, let, us, let them seeds not be plucked out of our spirits and the word not plucked out of our hearts and out of our minds by the things of this world, but that we would meditate on this word this week, Father, because you've given each of us a task to reach others because people are hungry and they're looking for answers. And God, you are the only answer. Your son, Jesus Christ, is the only answer. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy and grace because without your mercy and grace, where would all of us be? So thank you, Father. Just have your way in us this week, Father. And as we worship you, Lord, just let us meditate on you and on your word and on the praises that we sing before you, Lord. That we would be the true lights that you have called us to be, Lord. That our light would be a reflection of your life in us to others. So, Father, thank you for the word that you gave through Pastor, and just, just let it permeate in our hearts and spirits as we go through this day. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>